0: Section eighty three of Loss of the Sultana by Chester D. Berry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section eighty three William A. McFarland. I enlisted during the first call for volunteers in eighteen sixty one in Company A, forty second Indiana Infantry, at the age of sixteen years. My first duty was to act in the capacity of marker boy but had not been out three months when i was carrying a gun with the other soldiers i saw constant service until the twentieth day of september eighteen sixty three when i was captured by longstreet's command at the battle of chickamauga in the second day's fight of that battle we were skirmishing and were cut off from our command some time before we knew it our captors took us to libby prison where we were kept for four months Our rations at first consisted of about half of an ordinary loaf of bread and a small piece of beef, each for a day's ration, but the meat soon disappeared, and we were left with nothing but the bread. I was taken with about 12,000 other prisoners from Libby to the Danville, Virginia prison, where we were kept about three months, and then taken to the famous Andersonville prison, where we remained for eleven months more to suffer indescribable horrors the cover we had overheard was the blue canopy of heaven while we were surrounded on the four sides by a high wall and a strong-armed guard when sleeping we were obliged to huddle together to keep warm in the winter our food was of the very poorest kind consisting principally of corn meal we were allowed to cook any articles we might buy but were made to buy the wood to do the cooking with one irish potato would bring from seventy five cents to a dollar and twenty five cents a tablespoon of coarse salt twenty to forty cents and a handful of wood twenty five cents and in good united states money too some of the prisoners had money and often bought such articles but if they got much at a time they would be raided by their comrades after the war had come to a close the federal prisoners were taken from andersonville and other prisons by the rebels under a flag of truce to big black river twelve miles in the rear of vicksburg and turned over to the federal forces after which we marched into vicksburg the government had chartered the steamer sultana to convey four hundred prisoners north the sultana was a packet plying between new orleans and st louis and was chartered on or about april twenty third eighteen sixty five the boat was loaded with two thousand three hundred union prisoners who were to be taken north to camp chase ohio before the boat had cleared the landing at memphis a number of the boys made their escape and went up town and got whiskey they were in no fit state to drink it being in such a wretched condition from the treatment and the prisons and a guard was sent out to bring them back. The last to put in an appearance was a soldier hailing from Tennessee. He was a thin seven-footer, and he came down to the boat, shouting and cursing at the point of bayonet, so drunk he could hardly walk. He was brought up to the hurricane deck, where he caused considerable disturbance. I was quite young at that time, and it pleased me very much to tease this fellow. He tried to get at me, but the men were so thick he had to run over a number in trying to get to me, and received a number of hard licks for his trouble. When the Sultana was chartered, there were several families on board who were on their way from Louisiana to the north, and they were permitted to retain their staterooms. After we left Memphis, it began raining, and continued to do so all that night when eight miles above memphis between two and three o'clock in the morning the boilers of the boat exploded i seemed to be dreaming and could hear someone saying there isn't any skin left on their bodies i awoke with a start and the next moment the boat was on fire and all was as light as day the wildest confusion followed some sprang into the river at once others were killed and i could hear the groans of the dying above the roar of the flames as before stated i was on the hurricane deck clear aft this part of the boat was jammed with men i saw the pilot house and hundreds of them sink through the roof into the flames at which juncture i sprang overboard into the river as i came to the surface of the water I saw a woman rush out of a stateroom in her nightclothes, with a little child in her arms. In a moment she had fastened a life preserver about its waist, and then threw it overboard. The preserver had evidently been fastened on too low, for when the little one hit the water it turned wrong end up. The mother rushed into the stateroom an instant, and was then out, and sprang into the water and grabbed the child all of which occurred in the space of a couple of minutes the next thing that occupied my attention was seeing the seven-foot tennessean whom i had been teasing on the trip close at my side a guilty conscience needs no accuser and i supposed he would drown me if he caught me i began swimming away from him i swam seven miles down the river and into a drift where i caught onto a log and awaited assistance. As day dawned I found that hundreds had followed my example, and although it was a serious situation, I could not help laughing at the comical appearance that all made. Imagine my surprise when I observed that woman whom I had witnessed plunge into the river after her baby, sitting astraddle of a log about twenty feet in front of me with the little one before her we were both picked up by a yawl sent out by the steamer silver spray the next person the yawl approached was my long tennessee friend who was comfortably seated on a log he asked how far it was to memphis and when told only a mile he said to the crew go to hell with your boat if you couldn't come to help me before now you had better have stayed away and with that he slid from his log and began swimming down the river. When the survivors arrived at Memphis that morning, all the hacks and omnibuses in the city were at the wharf to convey us to the Overton Hospital, now the Overton Hotel. There were enough conveyances for all, and none were compelled to walk. The seven-foot Tennessean had arrived at the landing by the time the silver spray did but it was found that he was still under the influence of liquor after all the excitement of the night, and when he began to get into the conveyance he refused to ride. They tried to force him into a hack, but in the scuffle two or three soldiers were knocked down. A guard was detailed to march him through the streets to the hospital. On the way up we passed through a street inhabited mostly by Jews, who kept second-hand clothing establishments, etc., and as the hack in which I was riding was slowly passing along the street, I could see that long Tennesseean pulling off boots, shoes, hats, caps, and other articles from the signs hanging in front, and by the time he reached the hospital he had about a dozen Jews at his heels clamoring for their wares. Dot ish my goat!' said one, and, those was my shoes!' said another, while a third would yell, "'Gif me back my pants!' The Tennesseean turned, and, glaring at the crowd, threw the lot at his feet, saying, "'There, help yourselves!' And as he rushed forward and stooped over the pile, he began to knock them right and left. It was afterwards learned that out of 2,300 prisoners on the Sultana, 1,500 were either blown to pieces or drowned. The boat was totally destroyed. At the place where the wreck occurred the river was miles wide, making escape almost impossible. After being at the hospital a few days, and not being injured, I made my escape, determining to reach home as soon as possible. The first boat that came along was the St. Patrick, a handsome steamer plying between Cincinnati and Memphis. Like a burnt child dreading the fire, I dreaded getting on a steamboat for fear of another explosion. Adopting what I supposed was the safest plan, I crawled into the yawl hanging over the stern of the boat, as all side-wheel packets have and never left my quarters until I arrived at the wharf at Evansville. It rained most all the way up, but I stuck it through. Every time the boat would escape steam or blow the whistle, I prepared to jump, supposing an explosion was about to take place. End of Section 83